and welcome to our weekly Crystal Palace podcast, Eagle Eye View. I'm Scott Trotter and I'm here with uh, Crystal Palace reporter Rob Waller. Hi Scott. And our Fulham reporter joins us today, Ryan O'Donovan. Hello Scott. So, big weekend for Palace as every weekend is in the battle at the bottom. Um, they were up at Everton and not the best of results, was it Rob? No, it wasn't, no. Um, not a great day for Palace really. They, I think first half they, they did alright, they, they set up quite organised as you'd expect from them um, defended well they, they didn't have didn't see a lot of the ball Everton were, were you know dominant in possession but Palace sort of kept them at bay they didn't really Everton didn't really carve them open create too many chances and Palace you know looked a little bit of a threat on the break as well um, and yeah at half time I think they would have been happy 0-0 and they probably would have felt that they could have repeated that in the second half and you know if they'd have come away with a point they'd have been quite happy about it but Second half, I mean, first six minutes really was what cost them. I mean, conceded within 60 seconds of the of the restart. And then again, five minutes later, and you know, going back from 2-0 in any game is, is difficult, particularly if you're the, the side away from home and with so many injuries and players out that they, like they did. Um, they had a bit of a go and you know, Benteke had a, a guilt-edged chance that he missed with his head. Um, new signing, Alexander Sherlock, he, he was got in the box and got a good header that Jordan Pickford made a save from but yeah I mean once the third goal went in it really cooled them off and yes they got a goal you know back from the penalty spot but it was too little too late you know from from then on they weren't going to get back into it you know come away with, with nothing which will disappoint them at the end of it but I think everyone kind of expected it was going to be difficult it was the first of four difficult games really in this run. So was it the kind of situation against Castle did they only turn up for a half or yeah, it was, it was a little bit like the opposite of what they've done recently because normally it's been a poor first half and then a better second half. Um, on Saturday, it was kind of the, the opposite. It was a, a decent first half and then you know just a poor few minutes really that, that cost them. And then from then on, yeah, as I say, it was always going to be difficult to get back into it. So I think they'll be disappointed with certainly the the mistakes they made defensively and and how they let everything sort of get away from them. Because beyond that, Everton didn't really create too much. You know, I, mean, I think they only had a few shots on target, and Wayne Hennessy wasn't worked too much in goal. So there was there'll be frustration that they, you know, the manner of the goals they conceded. You know, you could say that that the breaks went for Everton. You know, in their favour. Some when Gilfie Sigerson came and got through, it was a sort of a bit of a ricochet into his path, and then he got a, deflect, a deflection off of James Tompkins on the way in. So. That little rubber of the green didn't go for Palace, but at the same time, you probably can't argue overall that Everton were the better side and deserved the points. And you mentioned uh, Serlot eventually got his game. How did he look? Is it promising on that front? Yeah, it was promising. I mean, it, it's difficult, obviously, first game coming in, you can't expect the well from him, but he, he certainly you know, showed signs of promise. I mean, early on, he, he won a lot of balls in the air, which you'd hope, you'd hope for a man of his size. He's six foot four, you know, he's... You'd hope he'd be good in the air, and he started out sort of wide on the left and tried to get forward, sort of inside left forward, or if you will, um, and sort of started off in the, the Wilfred Zaha position, trying to help with Benteke up top. I think because Palace didn't have, didn't see as much of the ball, obviously he was unable to sort of be right up there with Benteke all the time, and it wasn't a four-four-two. It was definitely he was wide left, of, you know, the sort of five, I suppose, in midfield and attack, um, and yeah, I think. There were signs that he certainly got 
some potential, but I think it's early days. You can't sort of judge too much on one one display. But yeah, for me, he was probably Palace's best player on the day, um, which is encouraging, I suppose, for him. Um, perhaps not encouraging that the rest of them who've been playing all the time didn't look as as, as good or as positive. But yeah, I, I think certainly uh, Roy Hodgson said he was you know surprised that he lasted ninety minutes because it, it was his first game for a competitive game for since December really because. He's come from the Danish league where they finished sort of end of November, December time, and he's only really had sort of a couple of friendlies sort of almost pre-season for him at this, in the middle of you know, January time. So I think that was a positive, and I guess with with Palace's injury situation, he's going to be needed a bit more in the coming weeks. Yeah, so it's, uh, obviously Palace have got a lot of injuries, so the opportunities there from on the left. Does Christian Benteke any look over his shoulder a little bit? Is is his place under threat now? I think there's there's such a, a lack of options at the moment that that Benteke's place probably isn't under threat. Which is, you know, I think if if they had a few other people to choose from, I would say yes, he is because he's only scored two goals all season. Um, Roy Hodgson has been complimentary about his overall contribution. He's quite happy with what he's provided for the team, but. Certainly, I think there's, you know, if you're a centre forward, you're not scoring goals. You would expect your place to be coming under threat, and at the moment, because Palace haven't really got much in the way of backup, he's, you know, he's having to sort of carry on, and it it still shows me that he's a bit lacking in confidence. You know, I mean, the amount of chances he's had recently, where you think a man in form would have put those away, and you know, unfortunately for him, he's just not. They're not either not falling for him. I mean, he had a header that went just wide, um, but you'd expect, you know, Benteke, how, how good he is in the air, you expect him to get that on target, and I think that will be frustrating for him. But yeah, possibly the the fact that Sirlock played and played as well as he did will kind of keep him on his toes a little bit because he'll be thinking, well, if if people do get back fit, yeah, my place might be a bit more under threat. Yeah, I think there's a stat going around that he has actually missed more big chances mm. than anybody else in the league as well, isn't it? Yeah, he? I think so. He's level with uh, Mo Salah from Liverpool. and I mean, Mo Salah's got 22 goals, so he's not exactly done too badly <laughs> this season. Um, I think, yeah, Benteke, it is, it's a case of, particularly when the ball's been, you know, he's been one-on-one with the keeper or, you know, had a, a shooting opportunity. I think that's where the confidence or lack of confidence is showing. In the air, he's still getting up well, you know, he's still timing his jumps okay majority of the time. It's just he's not directing it quite on target or into the right part of the goal, and I guess that does you know it does play on your mind if you're a striker and you're not scoring goals, particularly for someone who has done so often in the past. I mean you know there there is there are people who say he's a bit of a streaky striker and that he, you know he scores his goals in in batches. Well, this season he hasn't at all. You know he scored one at Le- Leicester and then one at West Ham, but he hasn't kicked on from either of those. You know he hasn't gone and got a second goal, which. Obviously, if you're a striker, you, you do want to, you know, when you think there's no better feeling than scoring a goal, is there if you're a striker? So he will he will want to contribute more. You know, Roy Hodgson says he's happy with what he's offering the rest of his play, but I think certainly if, if Palace are going to survive, they're going to need a few more goals from now until the end of the season. And did Big Sam have any kind words for Palace at all? Or? Um, he Well, he wasn't... They didn't have too much to say about Palace, to be fair. I, th- I think he... He said that you know we, we were coming up against the team that we know what to expect from them. I think he was perhaps more complimentary ahead of the game than he was afterwards. Um, he said you know he was quite pleased with the performance. He was disappointed not to keep a clean sheet. Obviously they conceded the penalty. Um, I don't think he can have too many complaints. It was a handball, so I don't think there was any issue there. But 
certainly he was more complimentary ahead of the game and said you know that he wasn't surprised with the turnaround at Palace because he said they've got the players obviously he knows them well most the majority of them are the same as, as who were there when he was there, when he was in charge and he said you know Roy Hodgson's experienced manager you would expect him to have an impact so I think he you know he he did say a few nice words about Palace beforehand after the game as I said it was Everton with the dominant side so he he was quite pleased about that and the way they took the game to Palace um, and obviously you know, ultimately for him he's the manager of Everton now he wants his team to win which they did yeah, and so to bring Ryan in um, Palace obviously comfortably defeated against Everton in the end they now go on into a run against Tottenham Man United and I think Chelsea a nasty run in is that a big miss opportunity at the weekend even though it is Everton um, I think it's a better opportunity to pick up points than their next set of fixtures are you know you can't really compare Everton with the likes of Chelsea and that type of stuff so yeah you know, it's not it's not a nice period for them to have especially with the injuries they've got you know it's a really tough run of fixtures now and with teams you know all round there taking points off each other you, you've got to look at where the next win's going to come from and the next positive result's going to come from it's so tough you know they're doing so well under Roy and then they got injuries and it's just kind of fallen apart a bit in recent weeks so yeah, you do have to wonder looking from the outside in where the next set of results is going to come from. Yeah, I mean, Palace have, uh, you know, they've, they've done well against these big teams in the past when they've kind of been written off. So I don't think you can completely say, you know, write these off and say, no, we're not going to get anything from them. But yeah, I understand the point. You know, they're, they're not, with the injuries they've got, particularly the, the likes of Wilfred Zaha being out, you know, they missed Mamadou Sacco at the weekend, Ruben Loftus Cheek's still out. You know, these are big players for Palace. And I think. When you've got one, maybe you know one of those sort of players out, you can cope. But when you know they're missing ten first team squad members at the weekend, that's that's hard for anything to, to have to cope and deal with. Hopefully, a couple will be back after the the, uh, the break. Now they're they're not in action this week because they're out of the cup. Um, and Roy Hodgson said that Martin Kelly and Mark Mamadou Sacco at least should be back for Tottenham game. He's hoping um, Jeffrey Schlipp, You would hope is not not too far beyond that. Um, Wilfred Zara, I think, is still going to be. I mean, the time scale with this, it was about a month. Well, I think you're probably looking at if he gets back to that Chelsea game, if not maybe the week after against Huddersfield. But then the issue they might have at that point is do they want to risk him and rushing him back? Because if he gets a setback and he's out for two months and that's the rest of the season, that's going to be an even bigger blow. So I, I think they've got to judge it carefully with, with Zaha in particular. Um, hopefully they'll get others returned to fitness. I mean, they've got obviously the likes of Scott Dan, Jason Punchin and... Bakusaka, we won't see now until until next season. Um, they're you know they're long term, but hopefully they'll start to get some of the the shorter term injuries back sooner rather than later. And yeah, I mean why not? They're, they've their backs have been against the wall before, and they've got results against teams you wouldn't expect them to. So it's not beyond the realms possibility, but it is a tall order. Yeah, and the likes of Newcastle obviously beat Man United at the weekend as well. So these teams are there to be beaten. It's not quite like perhaps other seasons where. They dominated. It's only Manchester City and everybody else now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, everyone in this. It is showing the last few weeks that you know anyone can beat anyone on their day. Um, you know, you you would expect probably nine times out of ten that the top six are going to beat the rest. You know, but there are there are those occasions when they don't. And I mean, we've seen with Chelsea in the last couple of weeks. All right, they beat West Brom this weekend. You know, Monday night. But certainly, we've seen with Bournemouth and Watford that you know if, if, if teams go and, and have a go at, 
someone like Chelsea, they can beat them. You know, I mean, and, and yeah, all right, Newcastle may have rode the luck with a couple of the chances United had, but they ground out the victory, and that's possible as well. You can do it. You know, there are different ways you can win a football match, and it, it shows that, that these teams are beatable. They're not, you know, Man City perhaps aside. You would say that you've got to be really at the top of your game to be beating them. You know, but. I think the others that they're capable of an off day. You've seen that with Arsenal many times away from home this season. You've seen it with Man United on a couple of occasions. Tottenham, you know, perhaps not so often, but you, you do still see them get drop points here and there. And, and Liverpool as well. Liverpool have you know had the odd poor result when I mean you think back to a couple of weeks ago they beat Man City and in the following week they're going to lose at Swansea. So it's it's not. You know, it is possible to beat these teams and take points off of them, and Palace have got to go in, in there with that mindset. So, I think maybe is it a question rather than the next fixtures? Is it can Palace ever win without Wilfred Zaha? I think it was like a year gone September since they've actually done it. Has a team ever been so reliant on one player? Well, I mean, Roy Hodgson said last week that he, he thought it was quite insulting to the rest of the team to, to you know, to label Palace as a one man team. I think the stats are, are there obviously for everyone to see. I mean, Wilfred Zaha's missed seven Premier League games now after the weekend and that was the first time they scored a goal when he wasn't in the side and that was a penalty so yeah it's it's not great you know reading for, for Palace fans to see that that's the, they are the statistics without Wilfred Zaha I think it's clear he's the talisman you know when he's in the side it does just give everyone a lift I mean we saw that earlier in the season when he was out for six weeks and then the first game back just seeing his name on the team sheet got everyone got, created a bit of a feel-good factor around Salas Park and yeah he performed really well they beat Chelsea on the day and it did give the place a whole lift I think you know Palace will be hoping for a similar impact when he does return this time but obviously in the meantime they've still got to try and pick up points because if you look at how congested it is down the bottom half of the table and even even after just one defeat there at the weekend they're now only one point above the relegation zone and you you see all these other teams at the bottom still picking up points here and there, and you think, well, if Palace don't in their next three matches, they will be in the bottom three by the time potentially Zaha returns. So is that inevitable that they're going to be in the bottom three after this period? Do you think, Ryan? Um, I don't think so. I don't think I think it's too tight to call down there at the moment. You know, anyone like like Rob was saying, you know, people are taking points. Newcastle took points of United, so anyone can be down there. Come to come the end of the period I hope it's not Crystal Palace you know, I really like Roy Hodgson and I, I think when, when he got appointed I thought it was a good appointment when other people were you know, maybe sneering at it so I hope they're not in the bottom three come <coughs> I really hope they're not in the bottom three come the end of the season because I'd like to see the finish night do well So who do you think might be in that bottom three come the end of the season? Oh that's a toughie um, I think West Brom will probably go down mm, maybe Swansea and Another, I, can't, I, I don't know. I couldn't put. I couldn't say. Have you got any thoughts, Rob? Um, I, I think it is. It's very tight. To, you know, tough to call because a couple of times in recent weeks, I've thought a team has gone, and then all of a sudden they picked up. You know, I mean, Swansea a few weeks ago, everyone was saying they, they're almost dead and buried. Well, look at the turnaround they've had with Carlos Calvao in, in charge. I mean, fair play to them. You know, they, they've they've really turned it around and, and got out of out of the bottom three, but they're still not clear of danger you know they're only one point they're the same level at the same points number as, as Palace so you know that it just shows that you can be distanced to a degree but have a few good results and all of a sudden you get yourself out of that bottom three I mean Palace were, were 
you know relegated by everybody at the start of the season after their after their poor start, and then they've t- turned it around. Yes, they're having a bit of a, a bad patch at the moment where they're you know losing or, or just picking up the odd point here and there. Um, but I think it is, it is very tough to call. I mean, West Brom obviously are, are looking now like they've got a very tough job on their hands to get themselves out. You know, they're, they're seven points away from it when they're the first team at the moment it looks like they might get cut adrift you know I mean it, at the moment they need three game swing to to even get themselves out of the bottom three I, so I think West Brom are going to find it hard particularly because they've got some tough fixtures towards the end of the season as well and obviously they come to Palace on the last day I mean that could be uh, could be very tasty if, if it comes down to that game with Alan Pardew in charge at West Brom and, <laughs> and obviously Roy Hodgson against his old club as well so I mean that, that could be very um, interesting if it comes down to that but yeah I think it is tough to call. I mean, you've got to, you've got to look at like to Stoke. They're you know they're in the bottom three at the moment, and at the weekend they had a big chance to win that game against Brighton and didn't take it. You know, all right, it was a penalty save, and but they, those moments could ultimately be crucial. You know, I mean, Southampton have you know fallen into the bottom three as a result of the w- results at the weekend, and you look at them and you think, well. They've only got four home games left, and two of those are against Chelsea and Man City. You know that doesn't bode well if you're just looking at the fixture list. So they've got to try and save themselves away from home. And then I still I still think Huddersfield will be down there, even though they got a good win at the weekend, which was you know their first good performance in a few weeks really. But again, they were another of the sides that I was beginning to start thinking, oh, you know, are they gonna are they definitely going down? And now maybe not. It it, it changes week to week. It really does. And I think it's it's probably going to fluctuate like that between now and the end of the season. So it is tough to call who's going to be the three. It could be any three of 11 still, <laughs> realistically. Um, but yeah, I think you're probably looking at West Brom have got the toughest job on their hands to save themselves. So do you think it looks nailed down that this relegation battle is going to be in full flow on the last day? <laughs> it could be. I, I don't think all 11 teams will be involved <laughs> on the last day. I think that would be uh, incredible if it, it comes down to that. But... No, I think you'll probably find that maybe one or two of the spaces haven't been filled, you know, they're not confirmed by that time. I think it will probably come down to the last game for some teams. Who they who they are, I don't know yet, you know, it's it is too tight down there. But it could be, you know, you look at some of the fixtures, I think on the last day, some of those teams involved at the moment they're probably going to want to try and get themselves out of it by then because, I mean, Southampton have got Man City on the last day. I think Brighton have got to go to Liverpool. Um, Watford, I think, are at Man United. You know, and you think, well, if, if any of those top teams have got anything to play for, that's not the fixture you want to go and have to go and get a win at. So it's it could come down to the last day. I, I think it will for some teams. Um, obviously, Palace fans will be hoping it doesn't come down to the last day for them. So maybe to bring Ryan's expertise in a little bit now. I think we've obviously got this mass amount of teams involved in the relegation battle, the biggest one ever. Does that give hope to the teams like Fulham, who are angling for promotion, that they can stay up? And I think it does when you look at the likes of Huddersfield doing well. But when you look at Newcastle, Newcastle were easily one of the best sides in the Championship last season, and they're down there struggling. So it, say if Fulham did go up... It would give them a bit of hope and say, well, we, yeah, we can, you know, the teams around there aren't as strong as perhaps people think. But you look at Newcastle, they've struggled quite a bit. Huddersfield have been on and off and both those sides were extremely good last season. Brighton have done a bit better than 
than the others. So yeah, it would give it would give Fulham fans confidence, I think. But at the same time, you know, you look at it and think it's so easy, you know, lose one game and you're right in in the mix of it. So at the same time, they'll be looking at it and thinking, you know, we could easily struggle again next season if they do go up or any of the championship sides except Wolves, who I think are going to be. Got a, yeah, I think they'll be <laughs> a serious prospect next season themselves. So. Yeah, I think teams looking up, except Wolves would be a bit iffy about it. So, coming back to the next couple of weeks, what will Palace be doing to prepare for that next huge game? Um, Roy Hodgson said that the players need a bit of rest, so they're having a bit of time off over this week. Um, They they weren't due into training until Wednesday today. Um, So, I think that they're they're certainly having a bit of a rest there. They have the weekend off because they haven't got a game. And then Roy Hodgson said it would be back to, you know, the, the focus of next week will be looking ahead to that Tottenham game which is obviously on a Monday night so they've got a little bit extra time to prepare um, I think they'll they'll probably yeah have, have a bit of relaxation try and take their mind off of things for, for a couple of days and then get back to it because at the end of the day they've got to got to prepare for these games right you know the right way and as I say approach it thinking they can still get something from them because if you go into it thinking no this is a, a write-off then What's the point in setting that really? You know, you, you can't go into games like that. You've seen it in the Premier League. Teams at the bottom can get points off teams at the top. So Palace will I think they'll be encouraged as well by the performance that they had against Tottenham earlier in the season, you know, that was up at Wembley and yes, Tottenham won the game one nil, but probably Palace deserved something from it. You know, Tottenham's goalkeeper was man of the match that day, so that tells you all you need to know really. They they had chances, they you know, they they certainly weren't overawed or you know, overrun by by Tottenham, and I think at home they have got you know a passionate crowd at Salas Park. They'll get behind it's a London derby, and they'll be thinking, yeah, we can go into this and, and try and get something. I mean, who knows? By the time that game comes around, they could be in the bottom three. They could still be out of it, depending on the results that weekend. But and and actually looking at the fixtures coming up, there's a lot of the teams at the bottom playing each other, and so someone's got to get points. Um, so the picture could change again by the time they play, and that might add a bit more pressure I suppose but also same could happen for Tottenham because if teams at the top have all won then Tottenham will need the win to, to try and keep pace with those so it's I suppose that there are benefits and the pros and cons to playing first and last at the weekend whichever weekend it comes and you know we'll see that there's still 11 games to go but for Palace obviously they just need to try and get points pick, pick up points where they can in, in this little tough run they've got and then when they come to playing teams around them, which sort of the last six, seven games, they've got you know, the likes of Stoke and West Brom in the last two. They've still got Huddersfield to play away from home. They've still got Brighton to come to Sellers Park, go to Bournemouth, play Watford away. You know, these are games where you, it could come down to that. And if it does, then obviously there's more pressure on those games. But if, if Palace can get anything from the next three, I suppose it probably would be looked at as a bonus. And... You know, it might give them that bit more momentum, confidence going into those, you know, pressure cooker games. You you might come, you might have come the end of the season. Yeah, and they might even have the benefit of the likes of Tottenham resting and rotating some players. So they've got Champions League commitments, FA mm-hmm. Cup commitments. It's a busy time for those top clubs as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, I I think you know because it's the Monday night game, they probably won't be looking to rest people. They've got uh, they're playing Juventus in Champions League this week, and then they've got Rochdale in the cup. And then they've got a free midweek next week, so they you know they'll have eight days to prepare for the game. Um, and I don't think they'll be resting people for for Palace away. You know, I think, and but who knows? You never know. They might have injuries between now and then, and that will have an impact on their team. 
I, I think when you you look to the the next couple after that, Man United and Chelsea, I, I believe that they're both in action around those games. Um, Chelsea, I think certainly have got Barcelona the midweek afterwards, so that might have a bearing on their team selection, depending on how that tie is. Um, we'll see. I think Palace, as I say, they, they can only approach it, worry about themselves, not really worry about what the other team's thinking or what they're doing. I think they've just got to concentrate on themselves, try and get players back fit when they can, and and try and get as much as they can out of these these games. Yeah, so a big couple of weeks of trying to get players back fit for Crystal Palace, I think, before this tough run. Um, there'll be all the news on the Croydon Advertiser website. Thank you to Rob and Ryan for joining us today, and we'll be back again next week.